Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Other Side of Perfect, the podcast where we share inspirational stories, tales of adversity and the lifelong journey of learning to love yourself. I know I'm feeling super pumped and excited for the first show and in case no one has asked yet, I hope you're feeling well today. If you're at home chilling, cheekily listening at work or perhaps out on a lovely walk, firstly, I'd like to say a massive thank you for choosing to tune in. For those of you who have already subscribed and managed to get us in the top charts on iTunes and for all of your lovely feedback on the trailer. For the first episode of the series, I have a very special guest. Some of you may have followed her for years. Some of you may not know her at all, whilst others may be listening to her voice right now. It's me. All jokes aside, as the host of this show, you won't actually be hearing much about me at all going forward. I'm merely here to facilitate a conversation with some far more interesting individuals and give my two cents throughout their interviews. However, I did want to give a little bit of background as to why I chose to start this podcast, who I am, what I do, and a few things you may not already know about me before kicking off this series. As mentioned in the trailer, there will be an Agony and Style segment where I also give some solo thoughts on your burning questions. So if you do have any FAQs or feedback, please do send them on to info at theothersideofperfect.com. So with all that being said, sit back, stand up or stretch and let's kick things off. I've been in this industry for seven years now and I've dabbled with being both in front and behind the camera. I've done some writing, teaching, public speaking, a little bit of presenting and briefly being on TV. I've experienced backlash and I've won some lovely awards. I suppose I wanted a new way to share my voice on a myriad of matters and became sick of the superficiality that came from only sharing images and aesthetic content online. I wanted to use my voice to discuss topics that I'm passionate about and also interview a plethora of amazing humans along the way. So, a little bit about me. I had to laugh when I was drafting some points that I wanted to include in this section because it reminded me of when you were doing either an acting class or in school, passing an apple or orange around the room and kind of starting off by, hi, I'm Joanne. I'm such and such age. I have so many siblings. Um, and yeah, it felt a little bit cringe, but I do want to give context to the podcast. And because a lot of the interviews will be very much the person I'm interviewing talking, you might want to have a little bit of background about my life to understand my stance on things and I suppose my opinions and how they've been collated. My name's Joanne. I'm 32. I'm from North Dublin and I was raised by my single mum until the age of seven. So I have never met my real dad. He's had zero involvement. We have never asked for nor received a cent of help. That's something that is not an issue for me at this point in my life. I don't believe it was ever a massive issue. I've always been very free and easy in terms of talking about it, but I am sure it has subconsciously affected my trust or lack thereof in terms of men. And it would be always a funny topic to bring up in conversation because people always kind of go, oh my God, that's awful. You don't know your real dad. And I kind of go, I actually never think about it. Then they ask something like, what happens if he passes away? And I think I don't want to have that regret of not meeting him at all either. Did attempt to meet him when I was 13 and he never showed up. And then I spoke to him again when I was about 22 and his son actually reached out to me on Facebook. His son was about 13 years of age and he said, I've just found out that you're my sister and I'd love to meet you, etc. To my horror, I kind of thought that is the most cowardly way of relaying a story to your son and also putting a child in a very vulnerable position because I couldn't exactly relay the story of your dad actually had no involvement and never showed up when I was your age. So I rang my dad at the age of 22 and very calmly told 
told him that I felt he was a bit of a coward and that he shouldn't be reaching me through his son and through social media. We've only ever had two phone conversations, one at 13 and one at 22, and I've never met him in person. So when I was about seven, my mum met my stepdad. They got married and had a little boy. I certainly think that my upbringing and less than perfect family has made me who I am today in terms of independence and strength. I have no grandparents left. Sadly, they've all passed away on my mum and stepdad's side. And in terms of my real dad, he actually never told his parents that my mum was pregnant back in the day. So to this day, they don't know that they have a granddaughter. I would deem the last two years of my life both the best and worst. And they've brought me to this point where I feel like I can talk about so many different experiences. I'm no expert but there's a lot of different things thrown into the mix and it was certainly my biggest in terms of growth as a human. I moved to London for work and for a relationship. I became obsessed with training in the gym and lost a lot of weight, which I've since put on. I launched a brand whilst not living in Ireland and looked after it from the UK. I joined a new agency and networked with a whole host of new people in my industry, which is a great experience. All the while, I was consumed by an emotionally abusive relationship and felt incredibly lost. I had totally lost who I was and my sense of self. I experienced incredibly bad insecurity and bouts of self-loathing. I felt scared, alone and my pride was always at play. I felt like I had to kind of keep face online and keep up this facade when behind the scenes in actuality things were literally falling apart. I felt shame that I had allowed myself to get to that place and unsure how I'd actually get out. After a particularly prevalent incident in my relationship, I finally got the kick I needed to leave once and for all. So after moving into a new place in London in two days, I booked my flights for my mum to come over, help me function, help me pack and move out. All the while, journalists were hounding me asking asking if my ex and I had broken up, what was happening, etc. So while the media was on my back, I felt this massive pressure because I knew I couldn't discuss what had happened and I didn't actually know how it all play out. I had extreme anxiety attacks. I suffered sleep paralysis. I spoke with a healer, a therapist, a psychic, you name it, anything that would help. My hair loss, which I'll touch on in another episode, was at its absolute worst. So physically, I felt ugly and incredibly insecure and damaged. I spent months kind of recovering the mental torture that I put myself through and also from the situation that I found myself in, in a bid to find out who I was again. At this point, my dad was diagnosed with cancer for the third time and my family were under massive pressure and stress. My ex was still living in my flat in London and wasn't leaving. And that was quite difficult because I wanted to obviously start my own new life again and I couldn't move out of my home house until he was gone because nobody's going to pay rent for two properties if they don't have to. We then went to Germany where my dad got a prognosis and started his cancer treatment. We went skiing at the end of that holiday as a family to spend some time together. And when we came home, we actually found my perfect apartment. At that stage, my ex had moved out of our place in London and all of a sudden something lifted and things started to feel okay. I spent a huge amount of time with friends, reconnecting with the old me and loosely shedding the detrimental layers that I had added over those few months. So in the February, I had moved into my new apartment. I got my car, work was going well, and I was starting to kind of reestablish my routine, I suppose, back in Ireland. And things were starting to pick up and I was just feeling slightly more myself again. I think I moved home from London either at the end of October or start of November. So it took a good few months to really kind of recover from those things. And I was still in a very damaged place, but overall that routine really helped and kind of getting myself set back up in terms of my life in Ireland. And in the March, it was Paddy's weekend, the weekend of the really bad snow. Um, We had been out on the Paddy's day night and we were feeling a little bit worse for wear, but we were invited to Techworks, which is a techno festival that runs from two in the day till 12 at night. And if you've been following me for a while, you'll know that I'm absolutely obsessed with dance music. I remember driving down in that snow and being so nervous. It was my first time driving in that heavy a snowfall. 
and it was to Cork. So it was a decent enough drive. We arrived at our hotel. I felt really frazzled. I had forgotten a couple of things in my bag. You know, those days where you want to look really nice for something, but you look like shite. You forgot pieces of makeup or your hair isn't sitting right or you brought a bad outfit or whatever it was. I remember turning around to my friend saying, Shrefeka, we're going to a rave. We're going to get sweaty. We're going to dance. We're not looking for men. And we just have a laugh. So we rock up to the section that we have tickets for, have a little scan of the room. It's mayhem. We grab a couple of drinks and at about quarter past two, I spot an absolute hottie. He's with his friend. I can't figure out if he's gay because he's very attractive and it's just two lads together. My friend, being the total wing woman that she was, grabbed his friend and they started talking out in the smoking area and I ended up getting talking to Adam. We spent, I'm not kidding you, 10 hours during that rave talking about absolutely every topic under the sun. We danced, we kissed and we just had the most amazing time. It was one of those really traditional, nice ways of meeting someone when you least expect it. And at the end of the night, having them be incredibly respectful, ask for your number, text you to see if you got home okay and hear from them the next day. It was just lovely. So we text back and forth for the rest of the day and that evening spoke on the phone for about four hours. That Thursday, I had to attend a fashion show in Galway and I invited himself, his friend and the girl that I went to TechWorks with. We had the most incredible crack, one of the best nights. What was meant to be just a couple of days in Galway ended up being four and we spent the entire weekend together. I remember him leaving on the Sunday and having this utter panic thinking I did not want to meet anybody. How have I stumbled across the most amazing human being? I was scared, I was overwhelmed and I was also very, very excited. And the rest is history. He essentially corrected all of my trust issues that I had built from previous relationship and he was just the opposite of everything that I knew and expected. So I almost had to relearn how to be in a relationship because there would be certain scenarios that I'd expect him to either go crazy about or be incredibly jealous about or there would be abusive comments that I was used to or whatever it was, he just did the opposite. There was no drama. There was no big massive blow-ups or fights. I never worried about getting a text or a call early on without him being too reliable that he was boring. It was this perfect balance. So fast forward a few months, I was having the most incredible time with friends and my personal life and him. I was just enjoying him privately and offline because I had made the decision to not share and divulge that side of my life again after what I had kind of gone through with the media. I was at that pinch me stage in life where scepticism kicks in because everything was going a little too well in my world. And then an online troll account surfaced in a bid to take down and expose the industry that I was in and I was the main target. My crime was editing images online and an online hate campaign ensued. During the whole fiasco, I realised my inner strength and that if I could survive that, I would be able to get through anything. I think there's more suicide than ever before as a result of social media and that is just frightening. And I remember distinctly somebody telling me on the phone when all of that was happening last year. We're really worried you're going to kill yourself. Like this is too much for anyone to handle. This is just insane and it's got to a level that's totally out of control. And although it was terrible, I had this just feeling in my gut that if you're a good person and if the real you, the core values that you hold and who you are in this universe, that will always prevail after the shitstorm. That will always come out after the superficial slaggings and imagery or whatever the comparisons were. And I knew that it was just a storm in a teacup that had to go on. And there was a lot of good things that came from it. And there was a lot of changes that I made in terms of my content as a a result. And I learned a huge amount about myself, but I always just felt like it would be okay. And so I nearly felt like people around me were reacting worse than I felt. Because at that time, it was such a stark contrast because everything had actually gone terribly wrong in terms of my career, but my personal life was amazing. And so I think that grounding feeling of, 
my real day-to-day life is lovely and it's so much better than it was before when everything looked great online and the media loved me and my followers loved me. Everything was actually terrible. So I learned a huge amount about not portraying that perfection online because it can cause such a disconnect both with your followers and yourself internally. And so to wrap that up, I feel like the past few years alone have taught me so many life lessons that I'd love to share. And I have a unique enough story with a bit of a weird career mixed in to speak to others about similar topics. In terms of my career and education, school was average for me. It was overall a pleasant experience. I had friends. I wasn't the most popular. I wasn't unpopular. I did well in my results, but I didn't do amazingly. And there's no real noteworthy memories or kind of negative experiences either. It was just grand. In school during transition year, I knew that I wanted to either do makeup artistry or fashion. So I actually did my work experience with MAC Cosmetics for a couple of weeks and John Rosha. I kind of knew from an early age that I wanted to do something in the creative realm. I know even growing up, my mum used to let me have complete artistic license as to what way I did my room. I had a neon blue room with lime green flames and a dragon drawn in the middle of the wall as a mural. I had a neon pink room that was Indian themed with these gorgeous kind of orange and turquoise cushions. She just let me go wild. And I was always super creative, whether I was kind of dickying up my clothes, dyeing my hair or painting the walls. It was always in me to do something in terms of creativity. When school ended, I had a look at my CEO and thought, what am I going to do with my life? I was going to either apply for fashion design in NCAD or makeup artistry in Senior College in Leary. And I opted for makeup artistry purely because it was a year long course and I knew I could get into the working world far quicker than four years at NCAD, just in case I didn't like it. I studied theatrical and media makeup artistry full time in Senior College in Leary. I found the course super informative and creative. It was jam packed with generic areas of study, practical elements, everything from wig making and severed fingers to fashion. And it gave me a great foundation to enter the working world. And I ended up working in Shiseido in Brown Thomas for both skincare and makeup counter experience. I worked there for a couple of years as their makeup artist and I got great experience working out house as a freelance artist for the RTE Guide. I did some stuff for the Sunday World and also a couple of TV programs. After working for Shiseido, I moved to Smashbox in Cleary's department store and that's some of my fondest memories in terms of makeup artistry and retail. We had a great team. I loved the training, the idea behind the brand. They were just younger and funkier and I got a lot more on-counter experience in terms of having to do loads of makeovers back to back and kind of getting my timing right and also looking after a team when my manager was off. At that stage though I realised I hated the retail side and the selling element but I loved the creativity and I found it was kind of lost working on counters so I started to look at other options of really boosting my freelance makeup artistry. So I got a couple of business cards made up and I looked at ways that I could fund going freelance and one of the things that I always wanted to fulfil was my desire to work in childcare. For teaching I went to Portobello to study Montessori and special needs and throughout the the course, I really felt like it was my calling. I adored every element from the full-on coursework to the exams, you name it. And at the end, I was lucky enough to be kept on in my work placement. It was in a lovely Montessori in Clontarf and I stayed there for three years. I had a class of six and a shared class of 15. And then I would come home from teaching with glue and glitter in my hair and I would do makeup jobs. 
both kind of in the evening and at the weekends. And that is when I started my blog. I taught until four o'clock and in a bid to up my income, I also nannied for two families, one with two children and one with three. And then I would blog in the evening or do makeup jobs. And I also did makeup lessons at the weekend. During this time, I would utilize Facebook mostly to share my articles because nobody was following me. And I was really just doing it because I had a passion for writing and I really wanted to up my makeup game and not lose sight of that side of my career whilst I taught. Fast forward a little bit, my blog became quite popular. I grew a following. I started to receive press drops and I did a couple of magazine interviews based on my style and the fact that I was curvy. People wrote into those magazines and basically said they loved seeing a girl who was a size 12 to 14 and I ended up signing with Assets Modeling Agency. I started to do a couple of photo shoots for them and also some TV work, all the while working in Montessori and continuing to teach and nanny. I did this for about a year until I couldn't do both jobs anymore. I was literally coming into school absolutely exhausted and taking some time off to go into TV to do Ireland AM and then come back to teach. And I remember my boss at the time, who was incredibly kind and loved saying, this is the only chance that you have to do this. Give it a shot. You've always got your qualifications and you can always come back teaching. And I have her to thank for giving me that final push. So when I decided to make the move and leave teaching to perhaps return at a later stage in my life, I launched my website officially and kind of made it a little bit more professional than the blog that I had done myself. And I also sold a product with a friend who was running a jewellery company at the time called Starlet Jewellery. I started to work with the brand Inglot doing freelance masterclasses, both in Dublin and Limerick. And I would spend a lot of time in hotels where I'd come down to Limerick for two nights of the week and do two hour masterclasses in the Crescent Shopping Centre. And my followers would come to meet me and just watch me do different makeup looks throughout that time. While I was doing my masterclasses with Inglot, I also started travelling to Cork once a month to Salon Shop where I created a workshop from 11 till 5. The workshop was designed to upskill existing beauty therapists and MUAs and reintegrate them into the working world. From social media progressions, photography, building their portfolio and more updated looks, I would get the train on a Monday morning and head home the same day. I loved the fact that I was marrying my teaching background with makeup artistry and being able to fulfill both aspects of my career. At this stage, I had collated a lot of experience of working for yourself and kind of almost carving and creating a career from loads of miscellaneous jobs. And I started to draft basically the essence of what became my book. I contacted a publisher and he said he had absolutely no room. It was too late in the year and he had nothing and he was really sorry even though he loved my idea. I said, look, I'm going to send you over a draft chapter, a summation of what it's going to be about my following and where I can do a book tour. And he actually gave me a call a couple of days later and said a politician had pulled out from his listing and he had a space and that if I could get the book written in a couple of months, then we'd be able to get it out for Christmas. He thought it was an impossible feat, but I said, you know, if I can get this done and over the line, will you give me an advance of five grand? And he said, fair enough. And so I did it. I handed it in about a week early, worked with an incredible team and editor, and I brought in my book Fairy Tales, which became bestseller in the Irish Times within a week. I did a book tour around Ireland and I absolutely adored the whole experience. After bringing out my book, I had also met a lot of my following. I'd built a really nice relationship with my audience and I thought it was time to bring out a product. And that's when I released my brand Enchant. And I brought out two products from the range. One was Fairy Wands, a selection of 12 vegan and cruelty-free makeup brushes, design, photo shoot, website. Everything was kind of under my control and I absolutely adored doing that whole process. I learned so much about distribution, manufacturing, supplying and dealing with pharmacy. We went into pharmacies nationwide and they sold really 
really well online. And so I teamed up with a different company who invested in me for releasing Pixie Pout, which was my lip glosses. I did that when I was mostly in London and I found that quite difficult not being in situ for releasing a brand because we had done a lot of the preparatory work beforehand. But seeing it go live when I wasn't at home, I found felt kind of like a lack of control. I then grew out of that brand, the colors and the theme and knew that it was a little bit more kind of targeted towards a younger audience. And I teamed up with a brand called GlamFam and brought out two products, Illuminating Drops and Intense Cream Eyeshadows, which are also in pharmacies nationwide. During all of this time, I also had the pleasure of working with incredible brands on a retainer and ad hoc basis, whether they're booked through my Irish or English agency or directly. I kind of gained a huge experience of working with so many different areas and products within the industry that I love. So although I've technically always worked for myself, I've been part of much larger teams and brands. I gained huge experience in a variety of areas. I've been effect over more times than I can count. I've met weirdos, I've met users, and I've also met incredible individuals who have helped me along the way and become lifelong friends. To quote Madonna, I've been popular and unpopular, successful and unsuccessful, loved and loathed, and I know how meaningless it all is. Therefore, I feel free to take whatever risks I want. So I wanted to finish off with 10 random facts about me, and I promise this is the last time that I talk about myself for this entire series. The only time that you'll hear me talk on my own outside of interview segments will be when we do the Agony Ant style, and that's when I answer your questions. Let's get started. Number one, I had a horse called Trigger. He was 16 too. His breed was an Irish sport horse. He was a divine, and I made him wear a pink head collar. Two, I've been both a size 8 and a size 16. I despise labels on clothes and also the scales. I've experienced a form of body dysmorphia from editing my images online and trying to maintain a perfected image in real life. Now I'm somewhere in the middle and I'm learning to love who I am in this moment. Three, I can do a mean impression of Gollum from Lord of the Rings and Jiggly Puff. My precious, they took it from us. Masters are friends. You don't have any friends. Four, I love to travel, but experience travel anxiety and have most of my panic attacks abroad or in the lead up to a big trip. Five, I'm a perfectionist to my detriment. I get stressed and have a short fuse when things don't feel in order or controlled in terms of work and my house. Six, I'm never moody. My boyfriend can vouch for this, but my worst character trait is worrying about things that haven't happened yet. Seven, I only have one wisdom tooth at the ripe old age of 32, which must mean that I'm not very wise. Eight, I don't believe in fate, but I put huge emphasis on affirmations and have unwavering belief that everything always works out in the end. And if it's not worked out, it's not the end. Nine, I got an A in art and English in the Leaving Cert, but was horrendous at maths and Irish. I still can't understand why I ever needed to learn algebra and really wish they taught things like tax and how to apply for a mortgage in school instead. 10. I've never broken a bone, but I did tear ligaments and get a fracture doing an impression of the call on me video in a gym a few years ago. Don't ask. So that's me wrapped up in a pretty curvy nutshell. I hope some of you are still awake and you didn't find that too boring. I did think it was important to tell you a bit about your host and also to explain why I bring up certain topics with future guests. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of my brand new podcast. If you enjoyed, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and leave me a little review on whatever platform you're listening on. For the next episode, we have a really great show lined up with an incredibly informative and inspirational guest. So hopefully you'll join me on the other side of Perfect. Thank you.